Welcome to The Naked Truth. Peace to you. We're, it's Saturday night, so let's pick up where we left off with what Jesus has to say in the Gospels. We're in the book of Matthew. That's the very first book of the New Testament. And we're at chapter 11 today. We're going to pick up with verse 1. If you don't have your Bible handy, you can always use the um, source I'm using to read from you now it's by it's blueletterbible.org website and thank god for them it makes it much easier to scroll right through and read through it and see the different translations and all the other uh helpful sources they have and resources they have from their site so thank god for them we're gonna pick up now with matthew chapter 11 with verse 1 here we go now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. So Jesus had given the disciples the orders to go forward with the ministry and he gave them, not necessarily all Christians as in modern day Christians or even Christians since the time of Christ, but the disciples specifically gave them power over um, things like to perform exorcisms and, you know, casting out demons and healings and those sorts of things. He gave the disciples those powers as sort of a way of um, proving their um, ministry um, so that people can see and believe, not just go by what they're saying. Um, so, like I said, when we did the reading, don't hold it too hard. Like, don't hold it too much against yourself if you don't have the faith or we don't when we don't have the faith to do some of the feats and stuff that the disciples did. It may be that we weren't meant to do them. Verse 2, And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. So John is John the Baptist. That's who it's referring to, Jesus' cousin. He's uh, been locked up because he spoke out against the government. Not did anything, but spoke out against the governmental powers it's not very different than how many governments including america work in modern times um but that's what's happened to him he's in he's been locked up and um uh, so he's sending two of his disciples since he also had a ministry to uh jesus to see what's up verse three and said to him are you the coming one or do we look for another so the people that john the baptist sent to jesus are questioning jesus saying are you the one as in the one who the prophecies pointed to the Messiah, the Christ, the Savior. They're wondering, is that him? Because Jesus' name isn't wasn't Jesus Christ when he was born. Christ is more of a title. Jesus was more of his name. And Jesus itself is just how we pronounce it in English. But that not, isn't necessarily how it was originally pronounced at all, even in Hebrew or not. It still may not be how it was actually pronounced way back then. It may be a lost dialect. So I, I don't think we should get too hung up on with the pronunciation of Jesus's name. Just know that it is not other things other churches may tell you. They'll say things like it's Joshua or Yeshua or it's, it equals the same thing as Joshua in um, in its root language, but it doesn't because you can look at the translation of the name Joshua in the Bible and see it's spelled different and translated different than Jesus. Same thing with Yeshua. We like we went over that reading and so on and so forth. So Jesus is the name. Christ is the title. Um, And they're wondering, is he that one? Is he the one that they have read scriptures about that's prophesied and scheduled to be there? Verse 4, Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. So Jesus answers their question 
indirectly, but he answers it. He's telling them, go back and witness for yourself. You tell John the Baptist what it is you see for yourself. You don't have to take my word, what I'm telling you I'm here to do. Just go watch me and see, and then take that back to him and see if that answers his, and that should answer his question. Verse 5, the blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. So Jesus is basically giving them a list of the different things, the actions he's taken that all the multitudes are following him around to get to and get a hold of so that they can take that back as their report to John the Baptist that he's healing people, he's handling the demons and casting them out, he's even raising people from the dead. So he's like, you take that report back to John the Baptist and see what he has to say. And then don't miss the last part. The poor have the gospel preached to them. I think when it says the poor, it could mean financially poor. But what it almost certainly means in modern times is uh, spiritually poor. People who don't have the gospel preached to them. Since gospel is what Jesus uses in contrast to that poverty, not money. He uses the gospel. And if you see now, like I've said before many, many times, most churches, if you go into them, or if you turn them on your TV, they may say they're under the Christian umbrella or use the Christian banner. But if their preaching isn't something that Jesus said, then plain and simply, it's not Christian. It may be good advice. It may be good to hear. It may tickle your ear just nice, just like you like. But it may not be Christianity at all. And that's fine if you still get that inspiration or whatever else it is you get from listening to or following those other places. But the point is, don't confuse that with Christianity. If it's not something Jesus said, if it's not these red letters, so to speak, that we focus on on our Saturday night readings, then it's not Christian. And you're still free to follow it, but it's just not Christian. So don't confuse the two. Because once you start lumping things in as Christian or putting things under the umbrella as Christian that aren't actually Christian, you run the risk of losing the message. You are mixing the wheat with the chaff. You're eating the sunflower seed shell with the seed. You're not going to be able to enjoy the seed because you're getting lost and stopped by the shell. So just keep it in mind if you're going to try to do those things. Uh, just like trying to live by the whole Bible, trying to live by the Old Testament and the New. You can try to do that if you want to. But just remember, it's not all Christian. It's not an entirely Christian message that you read from Genesis to Revelation. Um, verse 6, And blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So the last thing Jesus leaves, the last part of the message Jesus gives to John the Baptist's messengers is, Blessed is he who is not offended because of me, meaning God bless you if you're able to undertake it, accept his message and not be turned off by it. And I mean, when you really consider what Jesus is teaching in contrast to what the rest of the Bible teaches, it really is a much lighter burden. Like he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It really is much lighter than trying to live by all the statutes, ordinances and basic dogma that religion will Put on your back if you let it. Um, but if you try to actually do what Jesus says to do, it's actually none of those things. It's an entirely different beast altogether. And he's saying, God bless you if it doesn't make you turn away. Verse 7, as they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, what did you go out into the wilderness to see? 
a reed shaken by the wind. So now that the messengers are returned back to go back to John and take the message back, like Jesus told them to, Jesus is now addressing the the rest of the crowd, the multitudes that are following him. Because remember, he's gone viral. The people aren't just following him online. They're following him on foot from town to town, place to place where he's going. People are following him around with the conviction to do it on foot or at best animal back or some sort of cart. But it's not like it is now where you can just drive from here to there with air conditioning. They're walking around on foot to see what it is Jesus has to say and to get close to him for the miracles. Who wouldn't? So now he's asking him, what'd you go out to see? Just a windbag? That's what he, what he means, a reed shaken by the wind. Someone that's just out there with the wind with the wind making noise. And that's what you're going to go listen to. Which again, if that's what you go to church for, good for you. If that's what you're getting out of it, that's fine. If that's what you really are going there for. Um, hopefully you're going there to get closer to God. So if you're going there to get closer to God... I would hope you'd go there for more than the woodwinds and even the choir. It should be the message feeding you, I would think. Verse 8, but what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments. Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. So he's saying, okay, well, if you didn't go out to hear a windbag just blowing in the wind, um, making noise for you to be entertained by. Maybe you went out to go see someone who's real fancy, who's living large with jets and mansions and cars like the televangelists now. Maybe that's what you went to see, which, you know, people do. People like to see someone who is a fat cat doing good because they will say it's because they're blessed. And they'll say you can get blessed too, just give them your money. And it seems to work a whole lot of people. It's popular with a whole lot of people. Um, so maybe that's what they went out to see. Verse 9. But what did you go out to see? Well, wait before he says about if you're going to go see the fat cats with the mansions and jets and and uh, roses and things. If that's what you were to see, he said, indeed, those who were soft clothing or in king's houses he's saying so if you're really looking for that that's what royalty is about that's what um human status is about uh seeing what kind of possessions you have and how large you're living how tricked out is your pad and all of that he's like that's what the rest of the world that's what um that's about so if that's what you're looking for you know where to find that go to people who trade in that Verse 9, well, what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. So he's saying, but so if you were going to John the Baptist, hearing his message, the man who's clothed in camel's hair and eating locusts, bugs, and honey, that's his diet beyond vegetarian. It's, he's eating grasshoppers and honey. That was John the Baptist's bat, um, diet. So if pe people probably took him as a very earnest and... Um, a person who's really dedicated to the cause if he's living out in the wilderness dressed like a wild man and eating like one so people and he was the baptist so he's saying well if you went out to see um a prophet that's what he's saying nine he's like then you then then you hit the mark then that's what the right thing you were looking for when you were looking for that in john the baptist because he's saying now that yes john the baptist is a prophet and he's saying he's more than a prophet he's going to go into it further verse 10 for this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face who will prepare your way before you. So Jesus is doing something here that he does uh, many times in his ministry. He's reflecting back on what we call the Old Testament um, 
a passage from it um, that the people would know. And that's why it's in said, if you're reading along with me, this, that, that part of that verse, he's reflecting back on the Old Testament book, as we call it, of Malachi. That's an Old Testament prophet or a seer or someone who was accredited with being in touch with the divine, somehow being able to interact with God, so to speak. Um, that's who Malachi and the Old Testament prophets basically were. And so that's the, a message that he's pointing to that Malachi said in the Old Testament. And Jesus is saying the fulfillment of that prophecy is in John the Baptist. What Malachi said in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, he's saying was actually his vision of or his oracle of or his um, his um, um his prophecy it's his knowledge of it somehow he saw it heard it experienced it but that's what he's referring to <clears throat> excuse me when he gave said that part about behold I send my messenger he's saying he's when Malachi saw that he was talking about John the Baptist who came many 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 years after Malachi so Jesus is letting us know I, I think that you can use that as um proof that there's a big picture sort of thing going on in the world where certain things, if you want to call it destiny or fate, where that people have. And like I said before, I think it's almost like literally a big picture or a movie or a show that God seems to be watching. Like when they say the whole world is a stage, it's as if God is watching all of these things and certain things are already set up in in advance to happen and these prophets seem to have the ability um are blessed with the ability to see those other parts of the big picture and even though they are haven't experienced them yet or are far from them like malachi and other the other uh biblical prophets so jesus is saying john the baptist is the fulfillment of that prophecy but he goes further verse 11 assuredly i say to you among those born of women there has not risen one greater than john the baptist but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus saying is saying a whole lot there. He's saying among those born of women, meaning uh, all human beings, not the angels necessarily, not the spiritual beings that may exist um, in um, other forms. He's saying, but of those born of women, meaning people, um, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist. So that kind of puts John the Baptist really, really high above all the other people in creation. But then look what Jesus finishes it with. But he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So to find out who will be the least in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says in another part of the Gospels, whoever does and teaches what he says will be called great in the kingdom of God. But whoever uh, denies Jesus will be be or whoever doesn't teach us I might have to search that one for you so I can get it right. He said whoever doesn't teach whoever here's what he's saying and says and does it will be called great in the kingdom of God. But whoever doesn't will be called least in the kingdom of God. And he says and I say to you unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what I'm just just so I get it right. I think it was Matthew chapter 5. I just don't want to get it wrong for you. So let me go to it real quick and see if I can get it right. So we can understand who Jesus is talking about when he says least in the kingdom of God. Here we go. 
So, um, Matthew chapter 5, and it's verse 19 and 20. Let's just read them real quick. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men's souls shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. So, Jesus is saying that's who ends up, you're still in the kingdom of heaven, but you're the least in the kingdom of heaven. And that's people who breaks one of the least of these commandments. And the commandments he went over there were, um, uh, with picking out the ones the basically what we call the Ten Commandments and um letting us know which of those we need to focus on out of the Old Testament commandments and ordinances and statutes and all of that stuff in the Old Testament. Jesus lets us know which ones are the ones that are actually real that God will hold us account for or require an accounting for. And so he's telling us if you don't do those, you may still make it in the kingdom, but you're going to be least in the kingdom. But whoever does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So that's Jesus is saying, you have to do better than these Bible thumpers. You have to do more than just bump your gums, talking a good game. You have to actually walk the walk not just talk the talk and if you can't do better than these religious hypocrites that are around um don't expect to even make it into the kingdom don't expect them to get into the party um but if you do get into the party you may get into the party um but if you're breaking those commandments you're going to be considered least in the kingdom of heaven but here he's making it clear but he who is least in the kingdom is even greater than john the baptist so i think what he's saying in a nutshell, is as great as John the Baptist's mission was or contribution was to the ministry, even us, the least in the kingdom, are still greater than he is, even. Meaning, we're all on the same level when it comes, I think, or at least a very similar level in God's eyes. We aren't higher above each other uh, when it, in God's opinion. Um, so, um, verse 12, And from the days of John the Baptist... Until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So we're back in Matthew 11, verse 12 there. So Jesus is saying, from the days of John the Baptist until now. So from the time that John the Baptist did his ministry and ended up um, behind bars, thrown in jail, and you know, in case you don't know, he ends up um, martyred, murdered, beheaded also for his ministry. Um, but Jesus, and I think that's some of the violence Jesus is talking about, because he's saying, until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. So that would be, I would think he's talking about um, John the Baptist's role in the kingdom, Jesus Christ Baptist, I mean, Jesus Christ's role in the kingdom and big picture of, thing, of things, and the violence that both of them, as well as the disciples, are going to end up facing as part of their ministry, their destiny, their fate as being chosen to do this part in the big picture. Uh, verse 13, for all the prophets and the law prophesied until John. So Jesus there is saying, I believe what he's saying there is, he says all the prophets and the law. So that's the stuff from the Old Testament. The prophets are the different um think Isaiah, I mean Isaiah, Elijah, the different Old Testament prophets, and he says the law, that would be what Moses gave, that would be those Ten Commandments that he got uh, according to the narrative directly from the Lord on a mountaintop uh, that he wrote on stone, but then there's other stuff that got added to that law 
those ordinances and statutes that seem to have got cooked up by religion after he came down from the mountain with only those two stone tablets, somehow all sorts of other regulations that we're reading about on our Monday and Wednesday readings. Uh, those are Old Testament reading days. You can see there, like you can't eat butter and other different regulations and things that are set up right there in the Bible. Animal fats, they're forbidden. All the fats supposed to be God's or the Lord's. So if that's the case, you're not supposed to be eating that even now. Yet people do do that and still thump their Bible and point the finger at someone else. The LGBT is a popular uh, uh target for ignoring what uh, applies to you and condemning what applies to someone else it's you see it happen again and again and again it's happening now with these different don't say gay laws that are being passed around the country it's madness but it's all intentional and it's all distractions from the reality and from the truth because people get swept up in a lie it's popular but it's still not true um so anyway, Jesus is saying all the prophets and the law prophesy until John. So it seems to me what it seems to me what he's saying is the messages, the scriptures, the things that pointed to the coming of Christ, the Messiah, all of those went all the way up until John the Baptist. So there would be no need for someone to point to a savior after John the Baptist since the savior arrived in the form of Jesus. Um, and if you're willing to receive it, he is Elijah who is to come. That's verse 14. And don't read over what that says. That's talking about what we would call in plain English and modern terms, reincarnation. Because Elijah was an Old Testament prophet who, according to the narrative in the Bible, was carried away in what we would call a UFO, a chariot, a vehicle, uh, a fire carried him away according to what's in the Bible. And like I said, we just call that a UFO in modern time, modern terms. But whatever the case may be, Jesus is saying that John the Baptist, if you're willing to receive it, is that same Elijah. So Jesus says something else very, very subtle there that of all his preachings, they're true. For us Christians, we believe them to be true. So he said, but not all the things he says will be accepted by everyone. And this is one of them. Jesus is saying, if you're willing to receive it, meaning you may not be able to, to accept it. You may be unwilling to receive it, even though the Savior himself is saying it, that that's what it is. It's reincarnation in modern terms, because Elijah lived in his time hundreds, if not thousands of years before John the Baptist. And yet Jesus is saying that John the Baptist is Elijah, not uh, in the spirit of Elijah, like it says in one of the other Gospels. He's saying he is Elijah. The only question of just like when someone needed healing from Jesus and said, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus said, I am willing to be cleansed. The question wasn't if Jesus was able to perform the healing, perform the cleansing. It was if he's willing to. Jesus is giving us that same uh preface with this statement letting us know if we're willing to receive it so we may not be willing to receive it but if you are willing to receive it he's letting us know john the baptist is actually elijah reincarnated as john the baptist and again you may not want to accept it but jesus is saying it pretty plain and clear and a lot of people will not accept it because most churches especially in america reject reincarnation outright Verse 15, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So first Jesus says, if you're willing to receive it, that's what's up. 
it's he's reincarnated as John the Baptist and then he turns around and finishes with and if you're able to hear it hear it and he says he who is a he who has ears to hear let him hear so if you are willing to accept the message that Jesus gives here then don't forbid someone else even if you're not willing to accept it don't stop some else someone else from being able to accept it and hear it verse 16 but to what shall I like in this generation because if you do you're running a risk of being called least in the kingdom of God or maybe not even making it in there verse 16 what shall I like in this gener? but to what shall I like in this generation it is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions so Jesus is telling them you know what y'all are like you know what this generation of people are like they're like kids and Jesus is um, gonna say it a lot nicer than the Old Testament in the Old Testament the entity or person the deity identified as God there says my people are uh, are foolish <laughs> he says it real plain and, and simple and he calls them silly children they have no understanding Jesus is saying here um, that that's what people are like that's what this generation of humanity is like children um, and he says they're like kids sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their companions so it's like a bunch of kids at the grocery store or at the open square somewhere at the mall and calling to their friends and, and stuff that are there and verse 17 and saying we played the flute for you and you did not dance we mourned to you and you did not lament so it's like a bunch of kids hanging out saying look we tried to play a happy game with you you refused to smile we tried to go to you with a long face sad and crying and you refused to frown you don't care you're they're damned if you do you they're damned if you don't there's no way of reaching them it's, there's the i think what he's saying here there's certain people that no matter how you approach them they're unwilling to be approached no matter what tech you take they're just unwilling and he's i think that's what he's saying about the generation of humanity that existed back then and even exists now um and he's going to explain more verse 18 for john came neither eating nor drinking and they say he has a demon so he's saying so that's how you are you you aren't happy for me or you won't cry with me um john came being extra solemn living out in the wilderness with the camel's hair eating the bugs and honey living as bare minimum as possible and what do they say about him not that he, oh wow he's a holy man no instead the religious folks condemn him and say he has a demon he must be crazy he's out living in the woods somewhere but and in in contrast verse 19 the son of man came eating and drinking and they say look a glutton and a wine bibber a friend of tax collectors and sinners wisdom is justified by her children so Jesus, that's the damned if you do, damned if you don't approach. Whether you come real solemn and uh, uh, what do they say, uh, hellfire with hellfire sermons to get people to turn from their ways and believe, like John the Baptist, that sort of style of preaching, people reject that. Or if you come like Jesus did, uh, multiplying the food, multiplying the miracles, multiplying, passing out even wine, turning water into wine. Uh, they reject that too. They turn around and thump a Bible and say it's evil to drink alcohol, even though that was one of Jesus's first miracles, according to the Bible. Yet religion will do that and get people to go along with that and believe that. And it, again, it has nothing to do with what Jesus says, but it has everything to do with what um 
religion will say and how religious will, religion will keep you trapped in it, confused by it, and in pockets empty from giving to it to keep it alive since it's not really the truth. Let's see. Verse um, 19. Oh, so oh, the last part of what he says there. So he, they're saying, and so the, he, Jesus says, okay, so John the Baptist came, bare minimum, you rejected that. Jesus came uh, partying it up, uh, feasting with the disciples, not fasting, and performing miracles and going from uh, having all these crowds around him celebrating, basically, with sinners, even, remember, that's one of the things they keep confronting him about, how are you hanging with all these sinners? Um, but Jesus ends it with, but wisdom is justified by her children. Meaning, if what you're doing um, is good, it'll make sense. If, if if what you're doing makes sense, then it'll turn out good. If what you're doing doesn't isn't good, then it won't. And I used the example of 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 uh, when we read this previously before I got deplatformed again. You can look at an example of that of the Democrats and the Republicans in America. When the previous Republican president was in office, he got impeached twice by the Democrats. And the Democrats, both times, neither time, did they actually enforce the subpoenas that were issued by holding the people who refused to show up for the testimony in contempt and jailing them like they would if they were black. Um, They didn't do any of that. Neither did they, with the Ukraine situation, bring forth the transcripts from the phone call with the then president uh, of America and the president of Ukraine. So there wouldn't even be a question about quid pro quo. Instead, they just gave the quid pro quo to the media and they said that till people were throwing it up and the whole thing just passed by like it was nothing. And now you see that area is at war and the country, United States, is breaking them off to the tune of $12 billion, just like that. They can't seem to get around the reparations for the American slaves, citizens of America, who have built America as slaves here, the descendants of them. But just like that, they can spend $12 billion on a country that chose, chose itself not to align itself with any other country around it and not be a part of NATO. And yet they instantly get $12 billion from a U.S. economy that still allows the police to lean on an X of black people, its own citizens, and not pay us reparations. It shows you how media and propaganda and wickedness feed off each other and how they live. And so and how it's not justified by her children. If it was wise, then the, the results would prove wise. If it was wise to let the previous president have two impeachments and not call those witnesses forward, then it would have turned out the way it would have it would have turned out wisely it didn't turn out wisely he got impeached and then released and he's still out talking crap now and nothing being done about it uh seemingly so if that's what jesus means by wisdom is justified by our children if your actions are smart then they'll turn out that way if they aren't that smart then that's how they'll turn out verse 20 then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. So Jesus went from trying to preach and teach to them about um, answering the questions about his ministry from the John the Baptist uh, point of view as far as the people who John the Baptist sent him. And now he's turning on the people who just refused to accept his message and refused to repent, meaning refused to have some self-reflection 
and reconciliation with where you've been right and where you've been wrong and where you've been wrong, admitting it and turning from it. That's basically what repentance is about. So now Jesus is going to get on them. Verse 21, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So Jesus is saying um, he's performed these miracles in these different parts of the world, the Chorazin and Bethsaida. Um, and I think some of those areas still exist with those names, even in modern times. I know Tyre and Sidon do, but he's saying, but if the same miracles had been done in those parts of the of the world, parts that are not necessarily occupied by people of the same religious faith, um, they would have repented. They would have believed him. He's saying, but you people who have the message, who have the scriptures, the people of Tyre and, I'm sorry, the people of Bethsaida and Chorazin, who he took the effort to perform the miracles in front of, they didn't repent. They still don't believe. Verse 22, but I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. So he's saying, uh, you're welcome to still be hard hearted and hard headed and believe what you want to believe. But when judgment day comes, those people who you thought weren't going to make it are actually going to be a lot more tolerated, have a lot easier time than you will. Verse 23, and you Capernaum who are exalted to heaven will will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. So um, Jesus is talking about some more areas, Capernaum, another area that he did other miracles and mighty works in apparently. And he's saying even though they're um, praised like New York City or something, um, they're a beloved city. He's like, even though that's the case. When that judgment happens, you're going to be taken down to Hades. And notice he says Hades there, not hell, but Hades. And Jesus talks in Luke 16 about Hades as that being not heaven and hell where people end up going when they die, not to the presence of God, the creator when they die. But instead, some people go to a place Jesus calls paradise and to another place downstairs where people go for suffering, where Jesus calls Hades, and he's saying that's where the people are um, are gonna end up. Those from the in the exalted city, that Capernaum, uh, again based on their lack of belief, lack of repentance, lack of faith. But he's saying, but if they had, if the people of Sodom, and you know about Sodom and Gomorrah, how it was destroyed, he's saying, if they had the opportunity that the people of Capernaum had, they would have turned and repented and believed and been saved. He's saying, verse 24, but I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So he's saying when that judgment day comes, even Sodom of infamous Sodom and Gomorrah is going to have an easier time than the people there who had the privilege of seeing Jesus in the flesh and witnessing the miracles and hearing the message and still chose to reject it. He's saying the people of Sodom and Gomorrah, Sodom and Gomorrah, are going to have an easier time than people who had the nerve to do that. Verse 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. So Jesus is now turning to God with a statement of praise and thanks. And he's thankful that the highfalutin elitist people aren't the ones who were enlightened and enriched even by that. 
Imagine how unfair life would be if some of the most wicked, evil people are the ones who get to live the longest, be the richest, and have the most comfort and joy in life and have to go, get to go through all that before they face judgment. Imagine if it would be, how terrible it would be if, if that was the case, um, if they even got wisdom and salvation on top of it all and other people had got none of that and still don't make it in. So he's and and still don't get the message. So Jesus is saying, thank God that at least the real riches are preserved for the poor and the needy, for um, uh, not the people who are wise in their own eyes. Verse 26, even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. I think what Jesus is saying there, it seemed right to God to balance the scales that uh, the righteousness is shared with the people who are humble enough to hear it. Verse 27, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So that kind of echoes what we've talked about when we do our Monday and Wednesday readings. People in the Old Testament seem to have been having conversations, interactions with, even eating food physically with Entities identified or described as God or the Lord in the Old Testament. And yet we see in the New Testament, Jesus says they've never, they've not heard his voice or seen his form. And uh, other parts of the God of the New Testament say no one has seen God at any time. So that directly contradicts what the Old Testament says. And I, as a Christian, have to side with what Jesus says. And so Jesus is letting us know here, no one knows the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So to me, again, that points to the people in the Old Testament may have been uh, interacting with the divine, with the supernatural, and just giving their accounts of what it was like when they had a supernatural experience or experienced um, God in what they were doing or... um, divine experiences and uh, equated that to their um, experience with God. But those things may have indeed happened, but Jesus is making it clear that that's not actually God. And I think, or even if it was God, it's not directly uh, the way we think of it. And we've gone over that on Mondays and Wednesdays. I'm not going to go into that again, but I think we should keep, if we're Christians, in mind what Jesus has to say about um, anything and everything. Verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. So Jesus is saying, if you're burdened by these different dogmas of what religion should be telling you to do, if you're burdened by life and the different things it may heap on you, or the paths that we take or seem to find ourselves on in life, that's threatened to bring you down. If you're heavy laden and burdened down, Jesus is saying he's the one you should head to. He's the one you should go with. He's the one uh, I would recommend you come to. And he says, because he'll give us rest. And then the next verse, sort of, I didn't realize it was this one but, uh, in this reading, but here it is. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. 
and you will find rest for your souls. It's like I was saying, trying to follow the whole Bible, nothing but confusion and contradiction if you want to try to do that. And most likely it'll end up having you turn away from it altogether because this one part will condemn you, another part will accept you. And the part that condemns you may be really intense and make you feel that has to be the real one especially if it came before the new one and all sorts of reasons and things will turn you away from it aside from besides all the things you may have heard or believed before you even got to it. So it's a dangerous thing to do. That's why I say focus on what Jesus has to say if you're a Christian, even if you're not, if you're going to pick up a Bible and try and learn from it and follow it, do what Jesus is saying here. Take his yoke, his instrument of dealing with the burdens of life. Take that upon you his teachings, his red letters, use those as our guide. And, and, um, he's saying it'll give us rest. It'll give our souls rest where it, God willing here in this time, but even in the after here, hereafter in the next life for our souls, the next phase for our souls, that next stage, it, it will give us rest is the, um, point of it. And then the final part, verse 30, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Like I said earlier, if you're going to be a red letter Christian, that'd be the easiest thing to do when it comes to the Bible. Because Jesus's words only appear in six of the 60 plus books in the Bible. So that means if you're going to if you're going to be a Christian and try to follow the Bible, follow what he has to say. It's only in six of those books he may refer to like he did with Malachi earlier. Old Testament passages or teachings, and sometimes he'll affirm them. Sometimes he'll just use them as reference points. But if we follow what it is Jesus has to say, those red letters, it seems to me that is and has been for me the easiest way, the lightest way to uh, nourish a relationship spiritually with God, with Jesus, with uh, the creator, with the almighty in my own paths and walk of life. And I think that's what Jesus is saying. His way is the easiest way it turns out. And his yoke is light. His burden is light. So he's not asking much from us to do as far as like if you consider all the different dietary restrictions or the social distancing restrictions. There's a heap of them in the Old Testament. And then others heaped on in the new beyond what Jesus has to say. Because like I said before, there's more than just one or two religions in the Bible, and there's more than just one or two entities being called God throughout the Bible, or being called the Lord throughout the Bible. But if you choose to take the one who we call Jesus as Lord from the Bible as our guide, as our compass, then in that taking that yoke, choosing that yoke, choosing that as our way of dealing with the burdens of life is actually light. And and I think when he says his burden is light, he could be talking about he's not asking much. It's not heavy, like the dogma of the Old Testament. But also he could be saying his burden is light as in the burden, the, 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 the oracle, because that's what they call the burden in the Old Testament. His oracle, his burden, his path, his way is to light. Not just um, uh, in weight light, but luminosity light. I think that Jesus could be using a pun for that to let us know his way is that way. The light way, uh, physically, uh, spiritually, mentally, following him is the way, uh, the way following the light. 
that actually ends this reading. We got to the end of the chapter. I appreciate you checking it out with me. As always, I hope it was a blessing for you and hope you'll join me again. Like I said, we had a Monday and Wednesday readings in the Old Testament to point to why we focus on the red letters of the New Testament on these Saturday night readings. You can hear them on this platform on Spotify or Anchor while they last. You can hear the past readings here. Or if you're an adult, you can go to my platform while it lasts, hungtgirl.com, and um, hear the past readings and even read along with me uh, with the ones posted there. Although on there, I only put the gospel readings. Because again, I identify as a red letter Christian, so it's Christ's words we focus on there. You can click on the links, body, mind, spirit, and soul, with the spirit and soul pages focusing the most on here, what we do here on The Naked Truth. You can... Click on the pictures and see the videos. You can get a membership, make a donation, or just enjoy the free content. I appreciate all of the above. I thank you for all of the above and for joining me now. God bless you for all of the above. Stay safe. Wear your mask if you choose to still. I am. or and, and Even if you don't, please wash your hands. Good Lord. COVID or not, wash your hands and stay safe. I'll see you next time. And thanks again. Peace be with you.